You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. DraftKings is giving all customers a free shot at up to $100,000 in total prizes. All you have to do is head to the DraftKings app and make your picks. Download the app, head to their free-to-play pools page, and enter the free $100,000 tournament seating pool. Free-to-play pools are easy to play. All you have to do is make your picks to who you think is going to get a ticket into March's biggest tournament. If you have the most answers correct, you win. Plus, don't forget about golf's fifth major this weekend, taking place in Florida, where DraftKings will have even more money up for grabs. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the DraftKings app now and use the promo code THPN to get a free shot at a share of $100,000 in total prizes in the tournament seating pool. That promo code is THPN to get a free shot at $100,000 in prizes only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Unfinished Business Podcast. 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 Okay, not an official name change, but just for this episode. Unfinished Business. This would be the theme for who knows how long. I guess until we see some some business being finished, maybe. Man, I, I tell you, what a what a coaching hire can do for my mental health and the collective health of the, the fan base is it's pretty incredible. I it's it's we're on a totally we're on a totally different uh, level in plane than we were at a week ago, <laughs> two weeks ago, aren't we? A hundred percent, one hundred and what I guess a hundred and eighty degree turn in the opposite direction for me. I was hanging on by a thread. Did not want anything anything to do with this team and under Jeff Ward. It was getting unbearable. Um, we were getting very depressed, as you could probably tell. <laughs> we're not and, bipolar. We swear. <laughs> completely apathetic i was just at a point where i was just like i, I can't i just like i just knew without a shadow of the doubt what the problem was the coaching and i could not stand it not being addressed and have to fucking watch this team with no change with no with, with nothing coming from management but then obviously they pulled the trigger so 180 degrees and and we talked about on the last podcast Whew. At first, I didn't know what to think, but dude, I like every single day I, I get like my faith becomes stronger and stronger. I just feel like he's the fucking perfect guy. Well, and it, it is weird because you'll you'll all remember the phrase like in Sutter we trust or whatever or in Daryl we trust from back in the day. That's what it feels like again, right? 100%. It's like we got this captain who knows what, what the hell he's doing at the helm of this thing. We can all relax a little bit. We did a live show last night and people were, were like, well, let's talk about the Lions, talk about the Lions. Uh, we're just like, you know what? We're f- I think we're at a place finally where we don't even have to worry about the Lions right now. 
Yeah. And it's not like just blind faith, right? It's like, we, we have a guy who knows what he's doing, who knows what's going on, who knows better than we do <laughs> better than uh, some of these other guys who have been around. So I have utmost faith in Daryl. And again, I, it's not just blind faith. Like I said, last time we have the perfect, we've already seen this happen. He came in once 20 years ago, almost, and it turned this team around. He turned the LA Kings around. I'm, I'm very excited. I'm very confident. I'm very happy. And so I think for the first time ever on this in the dome podcast, we're not going to be uh, discussing game breakdowns. We're going to be breaking down two practices because that was probably honestly one of the most interesting. This is those two practices might be more interesting than any two games this season. Well, the practices, what they did, the reports from the players, the players said it was great. It's, it's, (laughs) I guarantee they probably played faster and harder in that first practice than they have in any game all, all season this year. Yeah. So we, um, the last recording we did was before the Ottawa game. Let's do a quick little breakdown. Listen, there's not really much time to, to analyze it too much because the coaching change had already happened. Husko is running the bench. Jeff Ward had already been gone for two games. Daryl Sutter wasn't even there. It's kind of like it was an interim thing where it's just like, what's the point of doing much analysis when it was still the same team playing under the old system without their new coach who's been waiting for them to show up in two days from, from that time. So, um, but go ahead, go through some of the, the underlyings real quick. I think the biggest, the biggest thing from that game was the power play lost to the game. Oh, dude, you spent 16 minutes on the power play and it was so, it was so bad. Like 16 I, minutes on the power play. Again, I don't want to get too far down this rabbit hole because I don't want to talk too much about it, but I mean, it was, it was unbelievable that they, I just don't understand how you have, like, did you see the power play goal? They scored against the Oilers cross crease. Gaudreau on his off wing. Lynn Holmey drew on the off wing. Beautiful, beautiful. Yes. Stuff. Yes. <laughs> Sexy as hell. That was. And, that, and that's the last we've seen of Gaudreau and, and- Lindholm flipping wings. And I think I texted you was like, what? Like I've been talking about we uh, look when you and I talk about power play. That's all we talk about. Why isn't there more cross ice, cross crease? Ha, have you ever seen a cross crease pass? I remember when the when the Chicago Blackhawks had the most deadliest power play ever, or they had Keith and Seabrook on the point. But then it was their cross crease p- passes, man. It was like every single time they got down low, like Kane was t- setting up Taze on the other side of the net, like every single time. And even though the teams knew it was coming, they still couldn't defend it. I don't understand why when Chucky gets the puck down low, there's no one on the other side of the net to pass to. It's only that stupid between the legs fucking thing he does or try and pass up to Monaghan who has two guys draped on him because it's the most easiest fucking power play to defend in the league. It's so defendable. And that's the other thing that really bugs me about it is the misutilization of Sean Monaghan. Like you said, why isn't he at least a a threat? Like that's what you want to set up is threats. So Guys have to make a commitment and it gives you space, right? So when Lindholm gets the puck in the right wing, he doesn't have anyone to pass to other than Kachuk, who you know doesn't have anyone to pass to. So if you're a defender, all you have to do is defend Lindholm and you're good because that's all you can do. Same with Kadro on the other wing. It's so easy to defend. There's no cross-ice passes. There's no one-time options. It's just, I, I really don't get it. Like, and even to harken back to the, the 2018, 2019, like, do you remember Elias Lindholm's like second goal as a flame? I remember yeah. so vividly because yeah. it was like the first 
time I've ever seen the Flames power play look so deadly. It was just like puck movement all over the ice, all over the ice. It comes to Gaudreau, looks like he's going to bury it, and then he goes cross-ice to Lindholm, buries it. How many cross-ice power play goals did Elias Lindholm score that year? A lot. Now they not just, e- now not they even just one completely time. abandoned it. Like it's not, just, And not even one time, just a quick release. It's so easy to defend. And I'm sorry, but Rasmus Anderson, Kate, we'll, we'll get to the breakout in a sec, but when they're in the end set up, this guy is completely ineffective on the point. His shot, like, it's funny because what was it last season? The coaching staff was like, yeah, we want you to shoot more. We want you to shoot more. You took that I'm a little sorry. too literally, bro. Yeah, like, he has a great snapshot at the top of the circles. That's usually where he scores his goals. But his slap shot from the point, like, stop. Just stop. Well, and no and power plays are effective that way anymore. No. And I mean, especially when you don't have traffic in front, like yeah. Geo's. And Geo's just bad on PP, too. It's just like, okay, here comes a Geo shot. Is wow. he aiming? Is he aiming for the chest? He should start aiming for the chest, and then maybe he'll start picking corners. Literally, that's all you're seeing right now in terms of shot. Go look at heat maps. All the heat is at the is at the middle of the point because it's either Rasmus or Geo blasting prayers from downtown and probably killing half the guys in the team. Or it's Lindholm floating that floater in from the high rate circle. Nothing in the slot. Nothing coming from the low left wing. It's just all the same. Unless you're Shea Weber or Brett Burns or Eric Carlson, like don't be shooting it from the point. Like these guys, Rasmus Anderson's got, he's got like Valamaki has been the most dangerous guy from that position. Has he not? How many, how many tip in passes has he had led to goals this season? that aren't even on the power play. Why isn't he, I don't know. Like you said, let's not get too much into it because it might change real quick under Sutter, but Rasmus Anderson has been complete garbage. On the power play. Well, and it's and not even his. In, it's not even his in zone play. It's his. He can't do the bump back. Oh, ball, dude! It's like the most awkward thing I've ever seen in my life. It's kind of like when I went. I went to national sports school in Calgary, and one of the things we was practice was, and this was Dasuk was so good at this, right? Say you're stick handling right down the S on your on your one side on your forehand. You know, we used to practice stick handling down the S on your backhand. Does this guy even have the ability to stick handle like at three o'clock? Let alone like let alone you know six or no? I guess I guess maybe three o'clock would be right to the right. So, but you get my drift. It's just well, like, he never drops it back on his backhand. He swoops around and drops it on his forehand. It's terrible. It's the weirdest thing to watch because he pull he starts carrying the puck up the ice, and then he kind of swivels and starts looking at the guy. Just waiting, waiting, waiting. And it's almost like he waits for the opposition to get up speed to time it right when he's about to pass it to Johnny. It's fucking weird. Like, he literally, he, he hasn't figured it out. He he doesn't have the skill set to be a puck-carrying defense, <laughs> I think. And I only bring that up because why are you still rolling out the same power play? I don't get it. Like, you had, a, you had eight power play opportunities against Ottawa. You sucked every time, and you didn't change it up once. And I get it. We're still waiting for the real coach to show up. So, but still, like, if you're Husko, why don't you make make an adjustment? Who's yeah, who's, the, who's running the power play? Who's running the power play? Is it Ray Edwards? It's probably either Ray Edwards yeah. or Marty Jelena. Oh my god, dude! It's a, it's a mess somebody, right now. Somebody needs to fix that and fast. 
That was terrible. Yeah, it's and it lost you the game because again, everyone was like, "Oh, the Flames suck." I mean, five on five, they pretty much dominated the first and dominated the and absolutely owned the third period, which was actually nice to see for once. You know, them pressing in the third. When's the last yeah, time really we? Did. When's the last time we saw that? So and then they still, yeah they battle back, get a point. I mean, it really sucks to go what two two and one against the Senators, but I mean, at least you got a point. Like man, because you yeah, it could have been a lot worse. But it was nice to see that again. Like those two games, I was more so looking about how they played versus what the results are going to be, because it was yeah. kind of like like you said, like it's kind of two in, in the ground games, anyways. So the fact that they actually showed some spurts of good hockey in period one against the Oilers and period one and three against the senators. Yeah. I, I can live with that. Yeah. We're just all we're just waiting yeah. for Daryl, for Daryl to take the reins here. Um, but Mike, like, dude, that's so hard to watch that power play. And then it's when they don't brutal. make any changes and then Ra- you see Rask continue to carry the puck up the ice and continue to not know how to do the bump back and then continue to have just, no danger at all from the point. Like you always say this, like I feel like ripping my eyeballs out. It's unbearable. Throwing them at the television. Well, and here's another example to me of like, these guys listen to the coach too much, right? Like, yeah. did, did you see Johnny Gaudreau or Kachuk? Well, man, I hope Daryl's okay. I'm going to say, I think people are starting to come onto my side of hating the between the lake shit. I've hated this forever. I mean, Matthew, Dude, if you try this once in a while, okay. But you shouldn't be trying it every single, like every time you get the puck in front of the net, every time. How many times did he try it over the weekend? Like 28? Oh, my God. So You got to love his persistence, eh? <laughs> no, you don't. Stop it. So I think the deserve to win a meter, um, what was it? Over sixty percent of the time, we win that game. We just like you said, we prepay. We by the end of the game, you dominated the majority of the game. Yeah, and that overtime was weird to say the least. Um, probably one of the weirdest overtimes I've seen in a long time. No, it's, yeah, what it was, was it weird. Johnny with Lindholm to start, which I didn't mind. What, but like, what, I don't know. I, yeah. I, I did. I don't like. I don't know. I did they have Kachuk and Backlund or not Kachuk and Backlund? Did they? I can't remember. I wasn't super enthused about it. It seemed weird. Nobody I seemed it, to really know what to do. Yeah. It was weird. And then the shootout, man. Like, again, I what frustrates me and pains me so hard is when I sit at home and I, and I, can, I can tell you who should be going up next, and they don't pick them. And when, when they don't pick the guys I say, they never fucking score. Yeah. Like, you texted me. You're like, Monahan should not be shooting. He's cold tonight. He's cold. Look at him. He's off. First shooter. Doesn't do anything. Do you even miss the net, right? Yeah, way over the net. I, I like I liked Chucky. I said put Chucky in there, right? Because he's feeling it. Look at the last two games he's had. Yeah. Scores. And then you had Johnny, of course, but fuck. If I'm Daryl Sutter, I'm saying Johnny, if you ever go five hole ever again, I'm benching you for an entire period. No ifs, ands, or buts. You have never scored a goal five hole in your NHL career. He probably has, but well, like, he seriously. scored a lot of them. But that's why he's he stopped now because everybody knows that's his thing. Well, okay, did he have nineteen uh, 
breakaway opportunities last season. He scored zero going five hole. And then he, you know, he trained, tra- changes it up this season and scores like four goals. On the, on the already. Well, he scored that, he scored that five hole goal against Hellebuck, but yes, but he did the pants him out of his pants. Like if you're going to go five hole deke Johnny, like that's my thing with, that's what I always say is like, I don't know why ha- most of these guys don't ever deke like deke. It works way more often than unless you have a clear shot like Chuck did. Like I could have scored on Murray's five hole there. Like Deke, for the love of God, guys. Like Deke. Yeah. And then the fourth shooter, I know you actually called for Monge, but yes, dude, you the, you made a good point. The thing is, is no, it's Dubé. You've seen what he can do in the shootout before. He won you a shootout game last season, and he just came off scoring a hat trick. He's feeling it. Monge, on the other hand, we haven't seen him come through with the clutch factor quite yet. Maybe in another season or two, he's going to be the guy to win the game in a shootout. This is kind of like, it's not quite like this, but it's kind of like, if you're playing basketball, who's getting the last shot? Yeah. Like, Dubé did it last year. He just came off a hatcher. I don't understand why he's not, he's not that far shooter there. Yeah, and I mean, with Gaudreau shooting five all the time, I don't understand why these guys obviously have skills coaches, no? Like, isn't that why Ray Edwards is there to be, like, a player skills guy? Like you said, why don't they say to him, Johnny, watch your last, like, what is his shootout percentage? It's not great. Like, what did they see? He's like six for 19 or something. I don't have that in front of me right now, but again, like, every point is so important. I, I hope they're going over these things. Like, dude. You've seen need, how, how many times five hole in the shootout? Stop doing that. All they need to do is bring up two stats: shooting per, or scoring percentage when you deke, yeah. scoring percentage when you come down and try five hole. Well, and you saw. I think he he got sucked in, right? Like because he saw what Chucky. I don't think he went down the ice with the intention to shoot five hole because he was kind of deking, and then you just know he couldn't help himself. He kind of saw it a little bit. He he fucking tried it. I knew, he, I knew he wouldn't be able to help himself. The thing is for him, I think it might just be a size thing, right? Like yeah. the, phys- the physics of, you know, the angle where a stick hits the ice to his, his height. Well, he I think can't it's, shoot it's just, it like Monaghan. It's just too easy to read. He's too easy to read. Like these other guys, like, yeah, like you said, Monaghan, like that, like that one goal, was that a shootout? Yeah, he just comes down and it's like, he didn't even move his body and the puck's in the back of the net. It's like, did he even move his hands? It's like, how did he do that? It looked it's like just, a slingshot. It's just a little flick of the wrist, and it's like snipe. Like, Johnny can't shoot like that. He's got to be deking. Yeah, and he's got to be de- – again, that's when he's most dangerous is when he's deking. So, deke more, buddy guy. Deke. No deke. Right. Yeah, like, c- come on. That's your best – yeah, deke. All right. Deke. The okay. Jeff Ward era is behind us officially. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> Let's get into practice day number one. So uh, Tuesday was practice day number one. Daryl's first official day um, running the practice. I mean, Huska did a lot of the, you know, moving the puck around. I think Daryl was just kind of, uh, he, he, he ran it. Let's, let's be honest. But yeah, Daryl always, anytime Daryl is in the building, he's in charge. Oh yeah. I remember what I wanted to say about Johnny before just one last thing. Do you remember that goal he scored? I think it was against the the Minnesota Wild. It might have been Staylock, where he deked and deked and deked and held on and held on and held on, and he was like almost at the bottom of the circle and he just flipped it. Yeah, over to. <laughs> was it was awesome. almost elite. It was almost illegal because he almost came to a stop. 
Yeah, but my point is yeah. just deke Johnny. Just trust that if you start deking, you're probably going to score. Like, he's so good in tight. Yeah. He's so good figuring it out how to get out of jams. Like, even if you don't think you're going to have the – like, you're probably going to score if you just start deking, even if he doesn't have any clue what he's going to do. Anyways, moving on. Okay, so um, this was cool. Um, Ryan Leslie was live streaming on Instagram some footage from practice, and I and I, I was glued. It's <laughs> like I've I was never, glued to that live stream at practice more than I have into any game. I've never wanted to watch a practice so bad in my life. I, it was pretty fascinating, right? It was great. So, what did you see um, right off the hop? This was interesting. You know, you're watching Daryl, and he's is pretty cool to watch the one on one interaction with the players. Yeah. I think the first guy he grabbed was that Nesterov. It looked like it looked like he was talking to Hannafin at the well, beginning uh, there. It was someone before Hannafin. I think it was Nestrov, then Hannafin, and then I saw Johnny, then Chucky. I saw the Johnny one because I even screenshotted that one. Yeah, so pretty neat. Like, he, he uh, I think the first guy was Nestrov, but he, they're skating around the ice. Just like, it was like three or four laps, right? Just jibber-jabbing away. Who knows what they're saying? But this is what we're seeing with, with uh, Daryl, the one-on-one interaction. Um, that he's going to be getting from his players. And not to say that Ward didn't do this, but what are you getting from Ward? What are you getting from a one-on-one interaction from Ward, right? You're not getting as much as you're going to get from Daryl. No, you're, yeah. Like even what I said about tree living last time where it's like, there it's more it's more equal now with with Brad and, and the head coach, right? They can have a talk and both get things and probably the GM is getting more. Now when you're a player, you're getting a lot more from Daryl. So you're, you're not on equal footing, like with Jeff Ward, who's just your buddy guy. Who's like the old assistant coach who like, yep. maybe you go to your, you, you want, just need to like, you know, talk to somebody like now you're literally getting 35, 40 years of pure hockey wisdom yep. at, at the ready in almost every conversation. So man, it's, it's so interesting to see him like, man, I'd love to be, I would love to know what he's saying to guys like Chucky and Gaudreau, like, man, oh man. Yeah, no kidding. Just and then see it. when he's talking to Hannafin, he just kind of he like grabs him by the wrist. Hey, eh? did you see that? Yeah, like he was he, he was kind of <laughs> touchy. He was kind of touchy t- with like yeah, yeah, too. Was, and Gaudreau, yeah. He gets in close. It's interesting, eh? He like he 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 puts a stick on the ice in front of him and just like like he's very interesting to watch, eh? Yeah, he you know he is one of the best. Again, you hear like communication. Like this guy knows how to communicate his message. And I mean, he, he like, come on, he's been around the game so long. He's been around every kind of players, the greats of the greats. He knows what he's doing. It's, it's pretty cool to see him interacting with these guys. Yeah. We touched on it last podcast, this whole, you have to have hierarchy. Um, this is what you see now. That's I think that's why it comes back to if it's Jeff Ward, like you said, they're buddy buddies. Like, are you really getting much of a one-on-one conversation in practice? Yeah. No, compared to Daryl different, right? There's a hierarchy established there. Um, there's more accountability and like you said just the amount of hockey knowledge this guy has so um the the number one takeaway i think that it sounded like was they got to play faster yeah you heard that pretty much and even you saw it in practice because like all the other media guys like oh i can't believe practice was so short and tanev was talking about how fast pace it was chucky was talking about the emphasis was on moving the puck move it with speed get playing faster get going up the ice 
Um, and yeah, practices are shorter. And Daryl said, yeah, you want to simulate more of a game. You want to get the heart rate pumping. You want to practice as you play. So man, that, if that is not the, the, the remedy to what ails this team, I don't know what is. Holy shit. No kidding. And yeah, it was Eric Francis came on and was just like, so coach, uh, what's going on with the 45 minute practice? Uh, you always practice is always the shorter, but yeah, like you said, um, emulate or simulating gameplay, right? If these guys only are only getting, you know, what 18 to 20 minutes max playing time per game, you know, you get the heart rate up, then it's, then you're in and out. And I, it sounds like they went over stuff before practice. So there wasn't much time, bunch of wasted time at the board. And yeah. Chuck even said, we weren't at the board very much. We were just moving. Yep. And it, it's pretty cool because listening to the players after, even after today's practice, Wednesday's practice, they're saying the same thing. So yesterday, um, the two main players available after practice were Chucky and Tanev. And Tanev straight up just said, um, that's the best practice we've had in a while. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, one of the reporters asked him why. And he said, as well as the pace, the guys were moving, the puck was moving, the coach stressed playing faster. And um, like you said, that's going to translate, right? And that's kind of what Sutter's message is, right? And this is the old adage, how you practice is how you play. So if you're always upbeat, jumping, 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 I bet you Bill Peters was kind of like this too. Um, you're going to have a way more higher tempo in the games. And this is one of the biggest issues we've seen under Ward is, and Versteeg called it out, right? A week before Ward was fired. Yeah. This team's playing way too fucking slow. When they get the puck on their own end, they stand around. And they wait for the other team to set up before trying to break out. Like, stop slowing the game down. Anyways, Sutter is going to address it. Um, thank God. Because not only is that boring to watch, it's painful to watch. And it's ineffective. And it doesn't work. <laughs> the other thing I thought was really interesting because, boy, oh, boy, did the media have a heyday with the quote-unquote bag skate. Oh, yeah. Um, so they did, like, three lines and, like, if this doesn't like exemplify, man, what we've been missing. So they do the little fake bag skate, which wasn't even a bag skate. Like, well, and here's the thing is like how many, like I probably counted a hand, like at least four or five people reporting bag skate, bag skate. Oh my God. It's a bag skate. Like it was starting to circulate. Like Francis was just like going off. Hey, they're fucking bag skating. Everybody just like shouting it from the rooftops yeah. turns out it's like three minutes skate like no big deal all he did was three lines it's kind of funny three lines and then what was daryl's quote about why they did that that's how you want your first three shifts to feel dude <laughs> fuck thank god we've got this guy oh. again man oh my god and man it oh. was, it, that's just such a breath of fresh air because like how fuck. many times did they not start the game on time holy Every game. fuck could you imagine it? Could you imagine if just this one little tweak and then all these people are going to be like, but it wasn't Jeff Ward, but yeah. it was the players. Like watch how they start their next five games. Let's just compare the two coaches. Okay. Because if they start on time and their first periods are awesome in the next five games, you know, that is 100% due to a change in coaching. Yeah. 100%. Like that just got me so jazzed up. It's like, that's how your first three shifts should feel. You should be like going your first three shifts. And I mean, we've talked about this. So like the guys jumping over the boards, they like, why do they start slow? They don't really know what they're doing. They don't they have don't, a purpose. They There's don't no have purpose. a clear objective. They don't have a goal. Yeah. Now they, it seems like that's the, the first kind of things they're being instilled. 
And I was reading an article today on TSN. Um, I think it was by Sadim or Salim Valji. And they were just interviewing some of Sutter's former players. And one quote that stood out to me, they were interviewing Andrew Ference. And the question was pretty much like, what's the advice uh, to give to these Flames players? And Ference was plain and simple. He said, your first shift needs to be a banger. Nice. Love that's it. fuck, dude. Oh, what? Oh, that's not even a breath of fresh air, man. I don't even know what that is. Th- that's like, that's like inject that into my veins. That's like bottling, like you know, uh, an oxygen tank <laughs> from like the Alpines, fucking whatever, and just like sticking that in my face while I'm watching the game, just like. <laughs> Oh, yeah. So that, that again, uh, kind of a minor thing. Funny how the media flipped out and it like, that's the thing about Daryl, right? Is like, he's, he's so, he's smart. And to me, like when I watch him in the press conferences, when I watch him in the media, when I watch him talking to the guys on the ice, it's like, I have a hard time feeling when Daryl Sutter's in a room, there's many guys who are in there who are smarter or sharper than Daryl Sutter. 100%. So I love that stuff when it's like, oh, you skated them. He's like, no, that's how your first three shifts at field. That's how we did it. And the cool and the cool thing about Sutter is that he doesn't let on. Yeah, no, he's stoic. Like, he's if, the stoic if, of stoics. Like if you're from an outside perspective, you telling me that when he was in LA, you know, just like the the celebrity status and stardom of like what LA people are used to, they didn't think this guy was like kind of just a hillbilly, whatever. Yet here you have this brilliant mind, and nobody probably even really knew about it in LA. Well, it's pretty. It's pretty. Until he won the cups, yeah. Until he won two cups, it's pretty funny. The discourse coming out of cities outside of Calgary. Um, I've been kind of just like, I don't know if I'm doing this to um, because I'm a sadist and I want to like get mad. I've been watching some stuff from like Toronto media, and they're all like, (laughs) "Oh, they're pulling this guy old relic out. Like, oh, he's an he doesn't know what he's talking about. This guy's a dinosaur." like okay you just wait next time we play the yeah. leafs bud you just wait could not disagree more i cannot like, wait to play the leafs now cannot i can't wait, to play, I, can't wait. wait to play, I can't wait to play the oilers because the oilers fans think it's hilarious i can't wait to play everybody uh, especially when this team adjusts like when this team adjusts let's say there's 20 games left are you telling me we can't go 15 and 5 like we're already good enough to be in the top three in the division we've just been worked to the ground burnt to the ground by jeff ward goalies included so if we could if we could have been in the tops of the division with even just like good coaching imagine what we could do with great coaching like i'm dude this is more entertaining more interesting more intriguing than watching like i i love the crime documentaries man Dude, I don't need to watch Jack. Like, I'm following this real closely. This is fascinating. Yeah, and it's like it's it's almost like he's the he's the uh, the bizarro Jeff Ward. It's like every press conference with Jeff, and again, I don't want to like, Jeff Ward, the person, very nice guy, but man, those press conferences are rough. Those questions he answers, the things he would say with yep. no insight, just terrible. And then it's the exact opposite with Daryl. It's like I'm hanging on every word because it's like great point man it's like the things he says so interesting so spot on man yeah i even had it in my notes here it's just like isn't it funny that you actually want to hear from the coach like when jeff ward started coming on i would cringe and turn away 
and usually just be like, I don't even want to hear what this fucker has to say unless I want to have to have a good laugh or a good cry. Cause that was basically all I was getting. Now I'm just like, I'm hanging on the edge of my seat, man. What's Daryl going to say? It's just, yeah. it's because he's not giving you fluff. He's not talking out of his ass. He's not making up shit completely out of the ethers. He's not talking about it's just it's ephemeral. All the guys got to play with more emotion and then they'll be good. Well, I like even you're, thought you're it was... getting you're getting concrete shit. You're getting yeah. concrete tactics. You're getting concrete coaching, and you're getting conviction. Like when he talks, there's conviction. There's no conviction with Ward. Like when that guy talks, you're just like this guy sounds like an idiot. And I I thought it was really telling, especially what Chuck said. Um, he was just talking about what they were working on. Um, they asked him. He was like, "Yeah, what were we focused on?" Did he mention they were focused on like, oh yeah, we got to be more emotionally engaged. No, oh, he fuck, was like, Daryl wants us to protect the middle <laughs> of the ice. He wants us to play strong. Oh, in the he wants oh, us to check in all three zones, be tight, check, oh, tough on the puck in all three zones. And that's then, Mount Everest shit right there. Yeah. Just, and then, and then he says, and then we got to, we got to work on our offense. We got to work on bearing down on our chances. Literally. I think I said this to you. We've gotten more in two days of Daryl Sutter without even a fucking game played yet than we had with two years out of Jeff Ward on what this team needs to do to be better. It's unbelievable. The contrast and you have to have eyes to see it because a lot of people don't, I don't, I don't know what they're fucked or looking at. Well, like, I mean, and I guess like that comes back to this media point, right? It's just like, they're so concerned with, following this weird ass narrative of like, Oh, the players are in for it. Now they're going to hate this coach. Now Bank they're going to wish they're going to, they're going to wish that they didn't get Jeff Ward fired. Those assholes. Yeah. Big skate. Oh, look, Oh, they're getting big skate already. Yippee. I'm gleeful. I'm going to tweet this out. Like by the time he's done tweeting it, the bank skate's over. It's a fucking bag skate. <laughs> fucking idiots. Like there's so many of them. I even see it today, like the, the in the Twitter feed, like the amount of people that were going off about this supposed bag skate, only only to only to, to to push this false narrative, right? This dumb narrative that Sutter is just a hard ass, and these players are in for it. They're not going to become better players because he's a good coach. It's fucking stupid. It's ridiculous. I'm sorry to get really angry, and you know, but <laughs> no, it's fuck, great. it's, it's really dumb. It's really dumb. And yeah, man, like, dude, it, it's, so, so it's so here's here's a list of things Chucky said that that uh, Daryl's been stressing. Right, number one, protect the center of the ice. Had you ever heard that from from Ward? Once, um, I Have heard. You ever- I heard they they needed to be more emotionally engaged. I heard that. Didn't hear hey. what what's the center of the ice? I never heard anything about this. What does that mean? He never even fucking referenced the neutral zone, like. Come neutral, on. Neutral zone? What does that mean? I thought it was just play hard, you win. It's funny and sad at the same time. Like I said, I either would laugh or cry, depending on the day, sometimes both. But you could predict what Ward was going to say after the game based on whether they won or lost, right? If they pulled out a win, yeah, we really like the effort tonight. If they didn't, got to have more effort. Like that was that was the extent of what this coaching, what Ward was able to, able to see. And I want to we're going to have to move on from words soon enough. We will. But fuck, he still lingers hard. Anyways, protect the center of the ice. Protect in front of the net. Have you ever heard the word protect? 
No, I heard the word defend a lot. I heard defense, whatever, from Ward. Another, another concept, right? Protect the center of the ice. Protect the front of the net. Protect the goalie. And then here's the kicker. Focus more on offense and putting teams away when we have a chance. Thank you. Instead of sitting fucking back, like how many times have we had to bring this up where Ward's style seemed to be if you're if – if the – Game is tied. If it's 0 0 coming into a game, you just kind of defend. You're focused on defending. Goal prevention is the aim of the game. Goal prevention. If you get one, hey, if you get on the power play, now it's time to get up one. Oh, we're down. Okay. Let's not try and tie it up. Let's prevent from going down by two. Just fucking ridiculous. And that's why, right? We brought this up in, in the middle of the season. I even pulled it one night. What's harder to watch? The Flames up by one or down by one? Playing with a one-goal lead. What were they doing? They were trying to protect a one-goal lead under Ward. We're not going to see you have to watch that anymore. Guaranteed this team will not be painful to watch when they have the lead anymore. Well, and that's the other thing people say about, oh, Sutter is, he just shuts it down after one-goal lead. Well, there's a difference between playing. Like, that's what Daryl is mostly focused on is this possession game of being hard on the puck in all three zones. Because why? You want the puck back. It's not defend. Like, I think that's a really good way to put it. It's protect. It's not defend. You're not sitting back. You're not just playing defense, right? You are protecting the net. You're protecting the middle of the ice. You're not just defending it. You're not passive. You want that puck back. You're aggressive on the puck. That's going to be the biggest difference, I hope. Well, and it's priority sequence, right? Like he yeah. says, like your first priority is the middle of the ice. With Ward, it wasn't. With Ward, it was, come on in, motherfuckers. You want the blue line? Bring it in. Let's go. You, hell, you can have the top of the circle. Not you until then. Right down. Let's let's let you on in there, Connor. Come on down. You're the next player to get a free pass into the zone. Like literally, we're letting players enter the zone freely. And it wasn't usually until around the top of the circles where you start to contest somebody. So it wasn't priority sequence for Ward. It was just basically protect the net. That's it. It's collapse. Shoop. Yeah. You're playing on a house of cards. How'd that work out for you? So I'm loving it because you're seeing, not only are you seeing Daryl address this, but with the level of simplicity that he's doing it, just speaks to how much knowledge and hockey wisdom this guy has. Does it not? Totally. Like it's almost like he's, because he, again, he even talked about not wanting to overload the guys. He's saying things like there's just some ch- minor changes we have to make. And like, it's like, he's incepting these guys. It's like, he's a dream. He's been put planting these yeah. <laughs> fundamental hockey knowledges in, in their dreams. They don't even know what's happening. It's just, I hope I, man, it's, it might not turn around fast, but like you said, I guarantee this team won't be painful to watch anymore at the very least. No. And if they are, it's only going to be for the next week. That's it. So the other thing, I think we did a live show last night. I brought this up. Chucky, dude, he's can barely contain himself, man. If there's one guy that is just beyond stoked to have this guy as a coach, like, look, like, read some of the body language, man. When you're watching these player interviews, these guys are, they get it. They know what's going on. 
They know that they have a fucking seriously smart, good coach, and they all believe in what this guy can do for them as individuals, as well as, you know, team as a whole. Like Chucky is, he can hardly contain himself. He looks so happy. Yeah. And I think, I think the thing that is probably the most, again, and this is what gets glossed over to me with like, Oh, it's the player's fault. Cause I mean, you go on the radio, go on the media around, they're still, they're still talking about this, right? Like no more excuses for this group of guys. It's like, this is still a very young team. It's still a very young group of guys. Have they ever had a le- true legitimate leader who, and a, and a person who can guide them nope. know, and, and have a person they can feel confident in because even like, what did Sutter say today? He said, I have a lot of confidence in my ability to manage a bench and manage the pace in a game. Even like having confidence in the guy behind the bench, right? Like not, because again, like we've said, the players know, they know what's going on. They know who should be on the ice. They know who should be where. Yep. And when you have a guy like Ward, who doesn't know, who can't manage and doesn't have the ability or the confidence in himself to manage a bench, that leads to problems, right? So yep. now they have a guy they can trust equally, you know? It's yeah, like ex- they needed this leadership. They need like, that's what I'm, I'm failing to grasp from the perspective of people who continue to push this. Well, it's this guy, these guys last chance. No, you know what it is, is it's this group's first chance no with shit. a guy who's a leader with a guy who's actually going to guide them. Like I, I like, like you said, Kachuk was stoked. These guys are probably all stoked. I think Sam Bennett isn't stoked to have a guy Dude. who, you know, genuinely, wants to help him be better as a hockey player instead of just like, you know, like it's, it's just I, the, the confidence I have, it permeates, right? Like Daryl comes on. I have yep. confidence in my abilities. I'm ready to go. That permeates yeah. the whole team. Yep. Sam Bennett, the guy who smiles. going like, to be great. What? Three times a year. He was smiling today. I mean, for a guy that is probably in the lowest point in his career is he not i don't see any point in his career that's lower than this one for him to have re- renewed hope he was smiling today he's, he you know what he said he's already had multiple conversations with sutter he said that he sees this as a fresh start sam bennett said it's time for me to find a role again i've had good conversations with daryl's and i know what he wants from me and what to expect I do not believe that was the case with Jeff Ward. And listen, I'm sure Jeff Ward tried to impart that, but if Jeff Ward himself doesn't know what he wants from Sam, how the fuck is Sam going to know what Jeff Ward wants from Sam? Sam's Sam's pumped. Sam's pumped. And I think it's, I think it's, it's more, it's more, um, it's more elevated with Sam just because of the situation. But I think this could be this could be applied to pretty much everybody on the team, especially the core group of guys who have been crushed for the past two years. Again, like all they keep saying, no more excuses for these guys. What excuses? Like excuse for what? Like what does Johnny Gaudreau and Sean Monahan need an excuse for being two of the best offensive players in the league the last five years? Come on, they're stoked. Uh, it's going to permeate the organization. Excuses for not caring enough, and it's all their fault. And right. they're the reason why Jeff Ward got fired. They're the Jeff reason why Jeff Ward was an amateur. They should be ashamed. They shouldn't even be on this. They shouldn't <laughs> even. Like, they should bench themselves. <laughs> they should voluntarily void their contracts, um, and just go like work at Pizza Hut or something to atone for for all their malfeasance. <laughs> so stupid. 
So what you're seeing right off the hop, and we already, look, this is what we were expecting. This is what we've been calling for even before Daryl. You're seeing one-on-one coaching, right? It's coaching. Like people have life coaches. Why? Because they need guidance, right? They need someone that knows how to get the best out of them. Why isn't there an emphasis on this in sports? I don't understand how this media can go off and just be like, eh, Jeff Ward was amazing. Best coach this team's ever had. I mean, they're not saying that, but they might as well be. Well, they're still going on like it's on the players to prove that, you know, like it's just, it's a, it's a fundamental misunderstanding of how sports works, I think. It is. If <laughs> I don't understand how, if a player can't get themselves to the next level, then who can? Somebody else has to. That's the role of a fucking coach. Like, look at it from any business, right? If you're an employee at a business and have you ever had a good manager that like works with you and helps you out and like helps you, you know, find solutions and find ways of like doing things better or put you in a role that's better suited for you. Like if you even have one experience in your life like that, that's what coaching is all about. That's what management is all about. These guys, Sam Bennett's a perfect example. The... <laughs> Outside of Hartley, who that's when Sam Bennett had the best season of his career. That's when this team was the last time they actually won a playoff round. That was Hartley, wasn't it? Yeah. So the guy that was, you know, we talked about this in the last podcast, probably the, like he's been your next second best coach outside of Daryl in the last however many years, 20 plus. Because before Daryl, how far back do you have to go? You literally probably have to go back to like Terry Chris Stanley Cup, right? Don't you? Yeah, because wasn't it wasn't it uh, Risebar right after that, or is he? It was uh, no, he was GM. I can't remember if he coached. I I very I very succinctly um, remember the uh, Dave King was there for a little bit, but I remember the the two previous guys, Daryl and Don Hay and Greg Gilbert, who were just a mess, oh. and Br- Brian Sutter was there too for a bit. I oh. remember. Yeah, it was bad. So it was a shit show for a long time. So what you're seeing right off the hop, you're seeing coaching. And I guess coaching is just one of these words that's become, it's lost its impact, right? Because you you throw it out there with all these sports. This is a new coach, head coach, bolo coach, coach, coaching. It's just like, no, when when did coaching not become coaching anymore? You're just like, you just, you just throw some systems out and that's it. You have to work with players one-on-one. That's why this guy is like, the best of the best, right? It's like he knows how to get inside of you to figure out what you need to do differently to bring the best out of you, and then he demands you. He will hold you accountable to that level of standard. Guaranteed, if he knows that your ceiling is, you know, at five feet, he's not going to push you beyond that. He's going to keep pushing you to go to five feet. And different players have different ceilings, and this is what good coaches do. I'm just pumped because literally this is all we've been asking for. And I honestly, I wouldn't have, while we were asking for it, I would have not have seen it, you know, the solution of it being Daryl Sutter. But now that it's come and we're seeing what we're seeing, it's clear as day. This is like, there's no other better coach in this situation. Yeah. And I like to be clear, I don't think either of us think this is a quick turnaround fix. Like we're going to all of a sudden go on to win this Stanley Cup. I mean, crossing our fingers, that's hope. That's hopefully what we do. But the fact that they have 
um, set a clear direction and vision for this team. And in my opinion, given them a much better chance to win, that's all you can ask for, right? As yeah. a fan, that, that's what you want. You just want, yeah. you want to know where you're going. You want to know what the vision is, which is to win a Stanley Cup. <laughs> you want to know who's in charge. You want to know that the organization's committed to winning. You want to feel hope. You want to know that you want to go into each game ready to watch, win or lose. You don't want to be going into each game dreading it, thinking like, man, this organization's lost. We suck. There's yep. no vision. There's no cohesiveness. What's even the point? You don't want that. All they've, They have, in the last two weeks, given us what we've wanted, which is hope, which is all you can ask for. It's great. And in the last two days, it's been confirmed. We've gotten more insight in two days than we have in two words or two years in award again, right? Chucky in the meeting, protect the middle of the ice, protect your goalie, protect the net from presence, also play more offense, put games the way we, when we have a chance versus what we've been hearing. You need to play with more motion and need to hate to lose more. Yeah. Like what, what, what's, what sounds easier to understand and grasp onto and implement? <sighs> so um, we're going to get to the practice day number two. But first, um, Theo Fleury has actually joined the network in an interesting capacity. Um, look, and I know, <laughs> I know that um, Theo is what would he be considered like a right wing? Outspoken, very outspoken. Outspoken, probably right wing. I know people <laughs> label him as a conspiracy theorist. Probably. Point is, this is not about any of that. Um, he's joining um, the network on and to do a show all about mental health. And if anybody right? Gets mental health as, as it pertains to, you know, the, the world of sports, like looking at what this guy had to go through. Um, we can learn a lot from Flurry. anybody dealing with it and dealing with, you know, authority figures, maybe not necessarily in the same manner that he did. Right. But there's other challenges there as well. So here's a, here's a little plug in, in what the show is going to entail. Now a show that's going to give you the truth about the biggest epidemic of our times. We're all a little crazy. We're all a little crazy is brought to you by the same here global mental health movement and the Hockey Podcast Network. This is NHL great mental health advocate and member of the same here alliance, Theo Fleury. This is 20 year professional sports executive, mental health advocate and founder of the hashtag same here global mental health movement, Eric Cusin. This is Darren Ravel, sports business insider, mental health advocate and founder of the Same Here Influencer Alliance. We're so afraid as a society to rip the Band-Aid off the topic in a real way. Anytime you open up about something that's controversial or taboo, the first one through the wall always gets bloodied. And that's why we're doing this. We don't mind being the ones getting bloodied. We put our stories out there well before it was a thing to do for a reason. Because as much as they're extreme examples of how far you can fall, they show everyone the challenging life experiences impact everyone, even those of us who have reached the top of our competitive industries. The issue in media today, traditional media and social media, we are so quick to look for simple answers, simple explanations. We want everything wrapped in a bow. But this topic is messy. The nuances need to be explained. Yeah, it needs real, long-form conversation like this. I'm just thrilled that we can be real with people and address the current events happening in this space in real time and set the record straight. 
More talk happening doesn't mean it's helping the conversation move forward. The words we use matter. We have the greatest mental health awareness in the history of our planet, and yet the mental health trends and outcomes are awful. It means the current messages aren't working. Find me a person who hasn't faced trauma in their lives. Anyone. You can. Things have affected all of us. It's why we all say we are all a little crazy in our own unique ways. This topic isn't for one in five of us with mental illness. It's for five in five whose mental health has been impacted. This isn't an athlete issue. It's not a musician issue. It's a societal one. This is the greatest epidemic of our time. No, it's not about stopping any stigma. It's about us all saying same here. Our openness and the commonality in our struggles, that's what erodes stigma better and faster than any campaign telling people to stop anything ever will. Available on all podcast apps. Do us a favor and download each episode before you listen. And if you're an Apple user, please rate and review the podcast as it helps us get these important conversations out to reach a larger audience. Okay, so with that said, um, it sounds like because uh, Theo is going to be on the network in some capacity, we'll be able to get him on the podcast and we'll probably reach out to any listeners beforehand. We'll find a little medium for questions you guys want to hear uh, Fleury ask. Okay. So we'll, we'll get that in the works. Okay, so practice day number two today, Wednesday. Uh, Wednesday if you're listening to this, it was yesterday. Um, now, I didn't get to see anything live action. I was pretty busy today, but what did you glean from today's practice, practice number two? Yeah, it was good stuff. Again, really fast paced. Um, seemed to be a lot of drills uh, kind of based around getting out of the defensive zone. Oh, boy. I wonder how much they practice that. Because that has definitely been a bit of an issue if you've been watching this season. And what was uh, what was the, the playlist today? Um, I didn't pick up on any playlist. Um, it was, was it pretty- uh, was it the sound of silence? Was that was that what it was? It sounded like a lot of guys skating fast and a lot of guys working hard and it looked pretty businesslike. And yeah, I didn't get any reports on the bullshit playlist. Um, there was definitely no reports on the guys having fun. Um, so, you know, it it's from what Bennett and Richie had to say, um, it sounded like it was a pretty playoff business-like atmosphere, very intense. And um, that's what you want to hear. <laughs> and that's what you expected to hear. Yeah. And okay, so let's get to. Um, I, I did watch the the Bennett and the uh, the Richie interviews after, and again, this is like I said, this is entertaining for me. This is like some people like Big Brother or Survivor or something like reality. This is reality TV. Yeah, actually, it was it was my my aunt. She totally just doesn't get sports at all. Um, she's kind of into new age stuff and whatnot, so it's kind of like non violence, no sport, like right. And I think she asked me one time, like, what's why would I like it? Like, not from like a judgmental place, but yeah, just curious, just curiosity. Yeah. And I thought about, and I said, you know what? It's like real life reality TV. Is it not like the ups and downs? Like, look at how much drama we've had to witness just in the last two years. Last two years fan. have been be- probably better than any scripted, not better, but more dramatic than any scripted TV show you could ever imagine, dude. Yeah. Plus, you get the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat on a, on a weekly basis. You're up and, and Michael down. Backlund had a, had his uh, was it his son today. Yeah, was it a son? I Oliver yeah. Michael. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oliver Michael. And he was at practice following that. What awesome. a baller! Fucking love it. So, 
I'm I'm fascinated. I'm following this closely, and right now, I'm like, I'm very intently watching these players to see their their reaction and read their body language to see because when I see them get pumped, it makes me pumped. Yeah, but. Have you heard this Irish guy? Who the fuck is this Irish yeah, guy? What is going on? Like, he sounds like he knows what he's talking about, which is interesting. I know, but who is he? It's I have no clue. I am perusing Calgary Puck right now to see if I can find it because I know somebody posted was like, who's the Irish guy? Sounds like he's like one of the, I don't know. It's kind of weird. I guess these big media companies just have like guys go like do articles on everything. So. Uh, if you're if you're wondering what we're talking about, just just listen to one of the you know the the post game post practice. Yeah, it's so weird. It's like you hear dummy Francis, <laughs> and you, you hear, all the, you hear all the, yeah, you hear all your regulars. You hear and you got Boston. you got this fucking. And it's like, oh, oh how you doing there, guys? <laughs> and it's like he doesn't he he asks like two minute questions, so it's kind of like. <laughs> This thing goes on and on. It's like, this is awesome. Who is this guy? Yeah. It's funny. I was watching Sam Bennett at one point. He just is like <laughs> trying to contain himself because it's it's kind of funny, yeah. man. It's yeah. kind of like it's like rated the Lucky Charms commercial. Yeah. Um, and, it, and it's and I think it's funny because it's just like, where's this coming from? Just some Irish guy. It's great. If Daryl Sutter brings out, you know, Daryl Sutter brings the Rockies, man. So he asked him about the upcoming games. Um which is again, I love this, right? So this is Sutter now. The Irish guy asked him like, about you know you got Montreal. How much are you looking into them? Because bef- like, are you trying to make some hay with Montreal? Because then you got to face Toronto and Edmonton after that. Blah blah blah. And Sutter just says, uh, "We're only focused on Montreal." And this is interesting because that's um, that's a cliche stat pat answer for coaches, even players. But when he said it, when he says it. I actually believe him. <laughs> it's like, he's like, he's actually literally just focused on Montreal. He's not just saying it because that's what you say. Like when he says it, there's conviction and like, like he means it. He's literally not even focused on them at all. It's good. So it's interesting. Well, I mean, even on the day he was announced, like he was just focused on the next, he, he, he pretty much said, they were like, well, what's the focus big plan. And he was like, got important games coming up. Yeah, I up. love, I love the short answers, right to the point. Yeah, there's, no there's fluff, no, like you said, no fluff, yeah. no BS, no BS, no long-winded. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, 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 no self-congratulatory like, crap about the process. It's funny, hey, like coming back to that one podcast, uh, I think it was a couple ago, where um, it was Danny Austin asking Ward if they've rounded the corner yet. Yeah, and and remember Ward laughs. He's just like. <laughs> You know, you got to keep perspective because in times like these, it can seem like things are really going wrong when, when really you got to keep perspective because you just trust that process and things are turning around. Right. And it's like, like, then you go back to losing and sure. you look at those three games where you like, you went what two, two and one or whatever out of the bigger scope was like, you went three and 11. You want three games in your last 11 games. Like, fuck. Okay, I've so, got the name of the Irish guy. His name's Jim Conlin. Um, all right, you can look up his Twitter, Jim Conlin Media. I don't know how on earth he's getting into the Calgary media, but right. he is. We're gonna put it in. Here's a clip. Here, listen to this guy. He's awesome. Chris, um, Sam, I was just wondering in terms of working with the new coach. Obviously, the first period, the last quarter, you went behind. Um, 
are you determined starting off uh, against the, the next opponent as you're going to, going to come out of the traps flying and how important is it to take the lead rather than chasing the game? That guy's awesome, but like I said, um, you got to love the, the, the short, direct, to the point answers from Daryl. And uh, I think it was, yeah, Haynes was asking about a son. We did a we did a live. I just want to clarify this because we did a, a, a live a couple of days ago and someone asked, should we get son, uh, Chris to do, to pump the boys up? His son. I didn't know that Chris was a special needs, special needs guy. I just thought it was like, whatever. It's just like, You thought he sorry. was just another one of the Sutter guys who like, didn't Daryl trade one of his own kids when he was in Calgary? Like yeah, 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 yeah. So I was like, oh fuck, no, we don't want any more setters. One's enough. But what you got to do is go watch. Uh, I think somebody tweeted it today. Chris Sutter dance cam. Just Google that. He's pumping the crowd up at the LA Kings game. It's awesome. And um, he said that uh, he's been working on the Ring of Fire. Daryl said he, Chris <laughs> yeah. is working on the Ring of Fire, and he even said that Chris thinks that he started that. So he said once there's fans in the stadium, he's going to be ready to go. So I can't. Oh, I can't that. wait, dude. Yeah, what did he say? Uh, I've got Haynes. I'm going to pull up Haynes' tweet. Um, Chris says he's the one who could get 20,000 people to stand up and sing it. Let's go. That'd be amazing. Fucking love it. Okay, so then you have Haynes talking about the dipping points. Um, when you round up the game, the player thrives. Okay, so this is this was an interesting question. Um, what Haynes was referring to was the player points. He was referring to Kopitar and Dowdy and even Jerome under Sutter. If you look at their, their point totals, they kind of dipped down a bit. But even when they dipped, Jerome, did he win the heart? Or, yeah, he won the heart. Did he not? Well, he was supposed to, but a Montreal reporter completely screwed him out of the heart. But he did win the Lester B. Pearson, which is the player voted uh, MVP. Okay, so he was he was in there for the heart. Um, and then Kopitar... And and Dowdy were winning their awards too, and so Haynes wanted Daryl to get a, his perspective on that. Man, you're gonna love this answer. I don't think you heard this yet, but what what he's saying is that as a coach, when you round out the the player, right, to 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 not just be you know just so singularly focused if it's offense or whatever it is, when you round the player out, what that does is it gives them. Uh, the ability to play with way more confidence and composure. And that translates into more results and success, whatever that be like. And so here's the kicker. What he said is that, but if you look at those players and how they perform in the playoffs, and he says, I'm pretty sure all three of those guys have won the playoff race. And he says, at the end of the day, that's all that matters. Oh man, all that matters, eh? Absolute fire. <laughs> I can't get any more. Every time I think I can't get any more on board with this, I'm just a yep. This is like on the this is like on the daily. Just like, yeah, I'm gonna throw this out now. It's so unreal how much this team needed this. It's unbelievable. You're t- like I said, this is beyond a fresh air, man. I don't even know how to explain it. I tried to do it justice by you know bottling up some Mount Everest. But how do I don't whew. yeah, it's yeah, this team needs this so bad. All right, let's um let's shift gears and and do you want to go into Johnny Money anymore? Maybe touch on it real briefly because, like you said, 
as far as you know, Calgary Media is concerned, and you know the the, the amount of extent of analysis they can give is that it's still their fault. It's their last turn, basically saying that it, you know, <laughs> are they over that they should be benched yet? No more excuses. No, they're still kind of pushing that. They're they're kind of pushing the how long until one of Gaudreau or Monahan is benched. Thing. Yeah. So you you spent some time today on the stories, just like reminding us all, you know how good both these guys are and what they've given to this organization. And um, I, I don't know. I expect them to to come right back into fine form under Daryl. Yeah. Like I I think it's it's just so it seems so <laughs> under like it's just so poor to just like. Yeah, oh, the, those two guys who score a lot of goals, they're going to have a really hard time. Or Johnny Gaudreau's really small. It's like, oh, no shit. Nobody's brought this up every day for the last eight years of Johnny Gaudreau's career that he's small. Like, geez, I've never heard that one before. So I, I think the, the one that I'm kind of more interested in is Monahan because I think Johnny has kind of shut everybody up, at least temporarily, with his performance this season where it's yep. like you can't really levy any criticism toward him because he's been great this year for the most part. So I think most people now have their, have their sights set on, Oh, Sean Monaghan. Sean Monaghan sucks. Sean oh, yeah, Monaghan's let, terrible. Let's do uh let's do 30 seconds of research here. How many goals does he have? Oh, this guy, he's the problem. Yeah. So he like, sucks. I think what I'm most excited about with Daryl Sutter and Sean Monaghan specifically is because, okay. Sean Monaghan has been one of the most elite offensive players for this team. And I would say in the league, whether you agree with me or not, I don't think that matters because the numbers back it up. Well, he's like, 15th since entering, entering the league. In goal scoring. In goal scoring. Yeah, that's, like, ahead of, that's number one in his draft class ahead of Nathan McKinnon. Like, come on. Like, and again, oh, all he does is score goals. Stop with that, right? Like it's well. You, it, if if you look at his underlyings, they're not good elsewhere. But like you were pointing out today, they really took a dip in the last you know year, well, two years under the change of coaching. Yeah, like I think the analysis is wrong. The analysis it, it stops. It's because it's so. I guess it's lazy. I don't know if nobody has the answer. But you always talk about this as like, okay, you you can you can break something down, but at the end of the day, you need to figure out why and figure out a solution for better or for worse, Sean Monahan's on this team right now. And I think he will be for the foreseeable future. So the question to ask and, is, and you don't just get rid of a, a, a top 15 goal scorer in the league. Willy nilly. Yeah, it's you don't. Th- yeah, exactly. You, you do that at your peril, right? Like these guys are not guys. Again, he, he's not very good in his own zone. Is Patrick Kane. No, are any of these guys who are like really offensively talented? No, not even close, man. So I just think the analysis should be something obviously went wrong because between the years of 2015 and 2019 specifically, Sean Monaghan was an elite offensive force in this league. All the underlying numbers back that up. Offensively, both even strength and power play, excellent. Then something happened, dropped off. What happened and how can you get Sean Monaghan back to that level is what the question should be. And is what I hope Daryl Sutter um, starts to figure out because Gee, you, was, you need this guy. Was the drop off possibly during around the same time when there was a change in system and Ward basically wanted Sean Monahan to be the next Patricia Bergeron? Was it, did it have anything to do with that? Hmm. That 
sounds pretty likely. Was that maybe when he started getting all the defensive zone draws and and was playing against you know the, top the competition, team, the other team's best best team best players every single night? Was it had anything to do with that? <laughs> it's so stupid. So it's like again, you have you have a huge sample size of Sean Monahan being a great elite goal scorer. Again, he's an elite goal scorer. He has more goals than Nathan McKinnon over the same time span, right? Like he's in the league with like Mal- Malkin, Tarasenko, Kucherov. Like these are the guys he's in the class with in terms of putting the puck in the back of the net. So like you said, you can't just like, ah, this guy's a third liner or this guy needs to be out of here willy nilly. Um, and like I'm saying, what I hope Daryl starts to start trying to unravel is, okay, something went wrong. How can we fix it? How can we get him back up to this point? Because you need Sean Monaghan to win games right now. I think more than anyone right now, the guy who you could, well, maybe Kachuk, but I think we have no worries that Daryl's going to be able to get everything out of Matthew Kachuk. But if there's one guy who I'm most interested in and is probably most important to get going, it's Sean Monaghan. And I'm really interested to see how Daryl goes about doing that because you don't just go from, you don't just score the 15 most, most goals. You're not just 15th in goal scoring since entering the league, just because you're lucky or just because you play with Johnny Goudreau. No, like <laughs> you don't just do that. Right. Yeah. And then you hey. don't just fall off a cliff for no reason and never recover. Yeah. I, I was talking about this a bit with, with Kent Wilson, some people on Twitter today and, you know, Kent was saying that Johnny is a, uh, Monty is a gifted goal scorer, right? He's, he's pretty mediocre everywhere else, but coming back to that it's just like, he's beyond gifted. He's elite. If you're in the top 15, I'd say top 10, for sure you're elite. So he's knocking on the door of elite goal scoring in the National Hockey League, the greatest, you know, the greatest league of hockey in the world. So, and again, it's coming back to this. We we got to always remind ourselves how important goals are. It's like when we can't be devaluing goals, start devaluing goals to a point where we're just like, yeah, let's get a shot on that now. And like you said, if there's one player whose performance, a little bit even like shift in performance, can have the biggest impact on this team, it might be Sean Monahan. If this guy can start scoring at a, at a good clip here, he might be able to put teams away, right? And is it his fault that the only utilization of him on the power play is stationary in one spot with two guys draped on him? Like you you see, your, you're misutilizing like you, your best shooter on the power play. It's your, be, your best shot that this franchise has had um, since Jerome McGinley. You don't even use them on the power play. So, oh, man, this is why it's just like, if you don't like the performance from the players, then look upstream. Like, fuck, even if, even if you're like, okay, well, that's all Sean Monahan's ever going to be. And it's not good enough. It's not his fault. Look at how he's being utilized. And if you still don't like it, then change your team. And maybe that's the point some people are saying is get him out of here. Yeah. But like, whew, we saw what we, we played two games without him and we looked like we weren't able to score any goals. So. Yeah. Yeah, I just wanted to bring that up today because it is kind of like the talking point. It seems everybody has shifted to like, oh, yeah, he's, he's the new target. He's the target why, right now. Why does there always have to be a target? Yeah. 
that, that doesn't include your worst players in Nordstrom and Lucic. Well, I mean, Lucic, how come nobody is better? How come nobody is talking about the fact that Mark Giordano and Rasmus Anderson have literally been one of the worst defensive pairings in the entire league this year? Like nobody, nobody's putting any, nobody's kind of making them their target and be like, "Hey, what's going on there?" How come nobody's talking about how? Well, like Matthew Kachuk has been has struggled pretty hard this year, you know, at being effective night in and night out. So, I just well, that, I, that's I, because that's because the, the 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 that would take doing a little bit more than you know ten to fifteen seconds of research. That's why. That's true. So I just wanted to kind of start that discussion a bit, like the the devaluation of Sean Monahan, and I think he is the one guy I'm really keying in on under Daryl to see him get it turned around. Um, but I mean, come on, like this guy, like you said, top 15 in goals. Okay. Since entering the league, he's fifth in game winning goals for a guy that hates to lose or doesn't hate to lose. Supposedly that's a lot of game winning goals. He just must kind of like to win eh? Yeah. Just kind of just a little bit, you know, just to be fifth in the entire NHL behind only Ovechkin, Pacioretty, Marchand and Sagan in game winning goals. Yeah. That guy, Jesus. That guy doesn't like it. It's so funny. It's just like, <laughs> Like <laughs> you, you say those names, and you're just like, "Holy fuck, those are the best goal scorers in the game." And Sean Monahan's right there, and just like, "Oh, get rid of this guy." Yeah, we can't win with him. He's not a he's the devaluation of Sean Monahan by Calgary media and Calgary fans is getting out of hand, and it's really starting to bug me. <laughs> you need to score goals, and you need big time goals. You need like was it uh, Rutherford, right? And this list of top four things you need to, to win a championship, you need game breakers. Yeah. Go down the list on this team. We have one. I mean, you got other guys that can do it, but we haven't seen it. You have one game breaker, Sean Monahan. That's it. So fuck off already. Oh. I guess we can get as angry as we want. It's our own podcast, but fuck. Yeah, man. it is so dumb. Like, it's just really annoying. And yeah, like, I think it is a lot of recency bias, right? Because he did have a, a tough year last year. But again, like, you like, go look at his previous five years. Then he was awesome. So stupid. Well, like you said, what I said, whenever you see an issue, you got to try and get under, get understand why, why. And then come up with a solution, right? Like, because you can, there's some saying about like any jackass can destroy a shed or something, like, right? Like, anybody can tear shit down. But I mean, try to use your critical thinking skills. And, you know, like, we're going to have to move forward with this team, figure out why, and then figure out a solution for this. Yeah. So, last podcast, Monty was your guy, Johnny was mine. I'm switching. <laughs> Because it, it's pissing me off. Yeah, it's really, it's really bugging me. When I see fans get on, get, you know, start tearing these players down, like it fucking pisses me off. Especially your best players. Yeah, and especially since it's this is what really ticked me off today. Is you turn on all the media and it's like there's no more excuses for Monahan and Gaudreau. It's like excuses. Okay, the guy who's fifth in game-winning goals since entering the league? What, do, what does he have to be excused for? He should be first. No more excuses. It's either first or last. Fifth's not good enough. Who's ahead of him? Who is that? He should be ahead of them. The dumbest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. What was the list? Who's, who, who's ahead of him? In game-winning goals? Yeah. 
Let me pull it up here. I know Marchand was on there. Ovechkin, Pacioretty, Marchand. No, no, no. He's, he should be better than Ovechkin. No excuses. He's better than Brad Marchand, right? No. Brad Marchand? That guy's right. too small. Brad Marchand. He should, he should be ahead of yeah. No excuses. He's he's a foot smaller than you. No excuses. You should be having more goals than Brad Marchand. Like, just you because. Play, you play, he plays with the te- two best players in the league. Still no excuses. Here's some guys, Sean Monaghan, who has similar games played. In the same realm, 500 plus games played, has more goals than over the same amount of time since 2013. Phil Kessel, Mark Shifley, Blake Wheeler, Jonathan Taves, Gabriel Landeskog, Mika Zabinajed, Braden Shen, Claude Giroux, Chris Kreider, Brendan Gallagher, Enzi Kopitar. <sighs> Give me a break. Alex Barkov, Jeff Carter, Tyler Toffoli, Ryan Egan Hopkins, Ryan O'Reilly. Like, come on, guys. Come on, guys. But again, I think this comes back to um, what Daryl said, right? In response to Haynes's question about players at different points, yeah. But but they win all these awards, and Daryl says when you round out the players' game, the rest of it, you know, it's not just so one dimensional. They thrive offensively. And, well, and again, he talked about rounding it out, right? Not just forcing a guy to do something without teaching or coaching him. It's just like, here's Ward's analysis of how we can make Sean Monaghan better at defense. I'll figure it out. Just throw him on all the defensive zone faceoffs against the best players in the league. He'll figure it out. Like, was there any coaching? Not that I can see because he sucked. Dude, dude, if there was, it sucked. The coaching sucked. Just like the coach sucked. (laughs) 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 Oh, boy. Oh, man. Like Daryl said, right? You get confidence, and then you have composure, learn to play in any situation. Like, that's probably what we're going to see Sean Monahan evolve into under a real coach. Whew. Okay, moving on. Well, and it's just the last thing, like Sidaral said, it's shift by shift is how you build these things. Like, that's something that really frustrated me with what Ward was doing is, like, he had these pre-imposed notions these preconceived notions that he would try to impose on like games and segments of games, right? There's Instead nothing there was responding nothing, and not yeah. managing the game in the bench and, and responding to hey, what's working shift to shift. There was nothing concrete to what he was laying out. I'm sorry. And you saw you saw what happens when there's nothing concrete to hang on to. Like Richie said today, the pace is the highest it's been all season. Yeah. Like it's practice number two under Daryl Sutter. And the pace is the highest it's been all season. That tells you everything you need to know. And it's like, no, but the players, their fault. They don't not start on time. <laughs> what a fucking crock of shit. How much longer are we going to hear this? <laughs> I don't know, because watch when Daryl turns around, they're good. They're, they're still going to blame the players. No, they couldn't. They they, they just needed a coach that, you know, either told him it was his way or the highway, and then they fell into line. Yeah. They just need to be told what to do because they're just lazy pieces of crap. Well, and that's my kind of a retort to like, okay, like if and when Daryl does turn this thing around, are any of these guys who are so staunch in this position that they should blow this team up or this team needs a major shakeup, are they going to be like, yeah, I was wrong about that one. Because I no. guarantee you they won't. Like in the next five games, if you see a drastic comparison to how this team starts, 
than how they were under Ward. Like the underlying biggest blaring obvious like issue with this club, they can't start on time. Do you think it had any correlation to the tempo of practice? They're listening to fucking music in practice. <laughs> playing like playing like beach volleyball, soccer, or whatever they were doing with like the handball and stuff. Why do you think we've been harping over this coaching thing for like so hard for so long? It's so blaringly obvious, black and white. Fuck. The pace has been the highest it's been all season. <laughs> okay, what can we realistically expect? Um, let's get into it real quick, and we'll wrap it up there. Um, and <sighs> what are the what are the legit pl- chances of making the playoffs? Well, I still think we can do it. I think we can do it just because of the divisional components this year, right? Like every game's a four point night. All these other teams are playing each other. You still, um, you're a good team. You're a good team. You have a Jacob Marsham in net. You're you have Matthew Chuck. You have Johnny Gaudreau. You got Sean Monoma, Elias Lindholm, like, Mark Judan. Like you got great players. Yeah, and Gaudreau's going. I, I think it's only a matter of time before Chuck gets going. Um, so like your best guys, hopefully Anderson and Gio can get turned around. But I mean, there are some building blocks here. Hannafin and Tanev, solid. Like I said, Markstrom. Some of these other, like, you know, Manjapani and Backlund are ready to go. Lucic is ready to go. So you've got a good foundation here. And again, you've got Markstrom. You're playing all these teams. If there was a year, you could really get back into it after a really slow start. Even though it's a shortened season, I think this is the year. Um, especially with the fact that Montreal and uh, Edmonton won pretty convincingly tonight. But 7-1, yeah. They faltered oh. a bit. I've been tracking our playoff odds on Money Puck. They're up a little bit. <laughs> Even though we lo- we lost the last two games, they're up to forty four point eight percent today, up from thirty eight percent the other day. Yep. So it's doable, but it's got to start pretty quick here. The turnaround has to start right away. The Canadians are up three one right now on the Canucks going into the third period, so they're probably going to hang on to that, I would imagine. But you have you have the Canadians that are coming off a back to back. They already played uh, two nights ago, so there's really no excuse to not win um, tonight's game against the Canadians. But I think you just take it game by game. First, first win one, then win two, then try and string together three. You got to start winning. You got to start stringing wins together now, right? That's the name of the game. And look, Daryl, I'm not even going to even try. And here's what I like. We don't even have to try and figure out how to coach these guys anymore. Right. We can, we can take so much time away from analyzing lines combos what they should be doing yada yada because like i just feel like sutter knows what to do i don't have to worry about it so he's gonna know how to get these guys prepared he's gonna have a mindset for them on what how he's gonna approach this team and get them to approach the next 30 games is probably gonna give them the best chance to make it back into the playoff picture and you know that it's where his sights are set Oh, 100 man like, it's, like he, he's not just like oh i just want to like you know turn yeah. some things around we'll get back at to it next season no he probably wants to win a cup this year totally and i mean is there a better year to be able to do it and go for it so we'll see i think the other thing that'll be interesting to watch is if this team does get a little bit of help up front via a trade possibly because that could sure help things if you get another top six guy um it's it's going to be tough but it's i think it's more doable than people think right now like if we see, I we'll know probably, we'll know 
tomorrow after the game, like if this is doable, because if they come out and, and play how Sutter wants them to play, um, I think it's definitely doable. I honestly don't see how you lose tomorrow. And if you do, then my hopes, this might start to dwindle. I don't know. I'm just running on such high, high hopes right now. So we'll see how it goes. Okay. Last thing we should touch on. Um, you, you shared this today. This is, this scares me. Um, Bettman says there's major escrow building up before the lack of attendance or due to the lack of attendance, the salary cap will be a flat cap or near flat for the next four years. Um, like we've, we've been a team that has been in desperate need of an increase in salary cap just to like, you know, maintain um, how much Brad's been spending um, maintain pace with like being able to keep adding. So whew, you broke down some numbers, man. This scares me. Well, it's a, it's so stupid NHL. Like, man, the players can knock get any money. Eh? It's like the NHL is like, Oh sweet. We're getting an extra almost half million dollars and you can't have any of it. Um, it's pretty unbelievable. And it's pretty NHL and geez, man, Gary Bettman will go do whatever he can for these owners and not for the players. So it's pretty unreal, but the implication it has for the Flames, it might be pretty tricky, man, because the biggest problem is right now you have this three-headed monster of having Goudreau, Matthew Kachuk, and Andrew Mangiapane all hitting free agency, Goudreau being unrestricted, Kachuk and Mangiapane being restricted in the same year at the end of 2022. That's going to be really tough because you still have a lot of money committed You've got uh, you still got Monahan on the books at three points th- or six point three, Backlund at five point three five, Lucic five point two. Um, you still have you would still have Tanev on the books. Really, the only relief you're getting is Geo's contract ends that same year. That's six seven five. So if you're not anticipating any increase, you know Kachuk's getting paid more. You know Gaudreau's getting paid more. You know Mangiapane's getting paid more. I don't see any way they can fit all three of these guys in without moving some serious money out. Do you? And then, and then basically you're in the same situation that Benning was in this offseason when having to get rid of Markstrom and letting have him walk. You have already for the year 22-23, you have $21 million, just over $21 million committed to forwards, $14 million committed to defensemen, and $6 million committed to goaltending. That is not going to leave you with much wiggle room, man. Like you're, you're, you're already, you already have an estimated expenditure of like 40 million, just, just over 40 million to fill out the rest of your roster and give those guys bumps is going to be difficult. I think, um, Lucic has to retire, man. (laughs) It's the only way out of this. Wait, it sure would be nice if his like the owner's it. like, hey, uh, we'll slip you an extra 10 mil if you just retire, bro. Well, and that's why we were so concerned about that's why everyone's like, oh, Lucic has been good. Yeah, but he could make us lose Manjapani, right? Like, that's why yeah. Tanev, too. That's why the length of the Markstrom contract was so scary because you look, you look down the road a little bit, and man, if that cap is, is not going up at all, man, it's, it's, it could be tough. It could be. And again, we'll, we'll see. Maybe Johnny just goes a separate way at the end of that, but it's going to be tough. I think to have all three of those guys up at the exact same time with a flat cap, that could cause some issues. Yeah. This is coming right after um, a new TV deal. The new seven year TV deal, uh, TV deal was announced as well. So um, 
I, I don't think it was reported how much the deal was worth. Well, it sounds but, like it's about four hundred million a year, right? I think that's right. Yeah, I couldn't pull up the number. It's, but it's about double of what the current one is because we were kind like of two hundred million. We were kind of expecting that that, that new TV deal might um lead to a little bit of increase in salary cap as well Well, it was supposed to if apparently the escrow of the caused by the pandemic because of the lack of attendance that's what's that's what Batman's using as the excuse to not give the players more money it's probably not just an excuse but i'm sure the players aren't thrilled about it yeah How, like is it is it um is it a league decision to allow fans back into the the buildings or just strictly teams and cities because there's a lot of it seems like the rest of the leagues you know nba nfl mlb they they're all having like it's not just some select teams they're allowing fans back in the building right like i'm not saying you're gonna recoup a lot of money but there's some like how many i don't know you're gonna get five percent increase in what you're in is five percent is better than zero isn't it yeah, I don't know what the rules are right now. I think it's mostly up to the teams, isn't it? Or is it a league mandate? I have no idea. I've not looked into it. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, anyways, dude, that's that scares me. It yeah, really it does. It's a bit of a I, I guess I guess the you know on the on the positive or the light side of it, at least Tree Living knows well in advance, right? It's not like he's gonna put himself in any deeper holes, um, knowing this information that he has to be well prepared for it. Um, the other kind of thing is the expansion draft, right? We'll see how that plays out, but. Well, yeah. again, maybe, maybe Seattle takes a bigger contract again. Chris Tanev's playing great this year. Is he going to be great the next year, the next year, the next year? I kind of, the way I kind of envisioned the Chris Tanev signing working out the best is for him to have a good year this year, and then get selected by Seattle to take his four and a half mil off the books. So. We'll see. There's still a lot of time. There's still a lot of balls in the air, but it is kind of like if you're a Flames fan, you're looking at that like, holy shit, Gaudreau's up, Kachuk's up, Manjapani's up. Kind of makes you a little scared. Yep. The other way I look at this too is like, if that's the case, then maybe this is the this is it. You go all out. You go all in. Yeah. Um, you do whatever you have to to try and win within the next uh, two years outside of this season. Um, when all these guys are up for renewal still. So. Well, and maybe that was the plan all along because you probably could have locked Manjapani up at a higher dollar if you wanted to, really. Right. Same with Kachuk. You could have signed him to a huge deal, a Matthews, like probably even more than a Matthews type deal, but you didn't. So yeah. that was maybe the that was maybe the MO from the get-go. So Yep. All right. Well, let's see what happens. That's all things. <laughs> The main priority right now is just yeah. winning the Stanley Cup for the for the boys, eh? The debt. <laughs>